When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. How's it going, everyone? This is another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, presented to you by the Ad-Free Shows Network and Podcast Heat. I am John Alba. I don't want to sit here and waste any more time because it has been a nightmare just trying to get this show off the ground. I'm joined by Eric Bischoff. We've been fighting through those technical difficulties, but we are we are dedicated to our Strictly Business listeners and viewers every single week here. How are you, my friend? Well, I was doing great until uh, I encountered another technical issue, which I've been living with now for over almost two weeks, ever since our home got struck by lightning. And I think I've determined that perhaps my this big, beautiful desktop Mac um, took a hit, maybe during a surge. But for whatever reason, we're going to stumble through this with my laptop and see if this works. Okay, sounds good to me. I don't want to waste any more time. This has been a wild and very weird week with the pro wrestling world with some news that unfortunately a lot more bad than good, but we will talk about some very interesting stuff as well. We do have to begin by starting this episode and discussing the newest piece of information, which is a piece of information that will very likely affect the biggest show in AW history. That is Cash Wheeler's arrest. Daniel Wheeler, tag team champion at All Elite Wrestling, was arrested Friday morning by the Orlando Police Department and charged with one count of aggravated assault with a firearm. He was booked in the circuit court, according to county records. This is coming from the Orlando Sentinel initially. According to county records, Wheeler's alleged offense was committed on July 27th, and a warrant was issued July 28th for his arrest. On August 3rd, his attorneys issued a written plea of not guilty, and his appearance at a pretrial conference was waived on that day. His arrest affidavit was filed August 18th, and a first appearance in court happened earlier today. At that first appearance, Eric, uh, it was essentially announced that this was a case of road rage where he waved a gun at a stranger. We don't know any more details other than that at this moment in time. But as I mentioned earlier, this is likely going to have a significant effect on at least one of the premium promoted matches on the all-in card FTR versus the Young Bucks. Your initial reaction? Absolutely disappointed for everybody involved, from Tony Khan, the rest of the staff at AEW, and certainly, you know, Cash and 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 Dax and I, I just can't think of a worse situation. You know, when you think about it, 
you know, I, I, I first met FTR when I was in WWE in back in 2019, very classy guys, super professional, um, never really had to work with them directly, but really, really got a good vibe from them and was very happy for them <clears throat> to get an opportunity in AEW. And, and I love their presentation. I love what they represent. You know, FTR represents the favorite style, I guess, or presentation of professional wrestling, at least that I enjoy. It's more of a traditional, <clears throat> I don't want to say throwback, but it is a throwback in many respects. Um, and I, I really love their work. I didn't get to know either one of them on a personal level, but here is, you know, they, they, they were frustrated in WWE because they weren't really getting the opportunities that they hoped they would, would get there. Um, they got to, to, to AEW, uh, probably went through a few struggles there in terms of getting the opportunities there that they hoped for, but they, they, they stuck with it. They clawed, they fought, they worked, they committed and, and now made it to this opportunity coming up in Wembley to probably, well, not probably, there's no question about it, perform in front of the largest crowd they could ever dream of performing in front of. And now this, and in all likelihood, Mr. Wheeler's not going to be leaving the country, or if he is leaving the country, I doubt that he's going to be able to get into the UK. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know immigration law, but I know how tough it is, for example, to get into Canada if you've been charged with a DUI or convicted of a DUI. Here there's a charge but no conviction, so I'm not sure if that provides some leeway in opportunity. Um, but what a freaking mess. What a mess. Yeah. Regardless of whether there are difficulties in getting him to the UK, you have to look back further because even though the arrest happened, he turned himself in as we tape this, it's Friday. He turned himself in Thursday night. The hearing suggested, as I said before, the warrant was issued at the end of July, which is two and a half weeks ago going on now. He has appeared on AEW television multiple times since then. So that tells you, Eric, one of two things happened. Either there was an arrest warrant out for him he told Tony Khan and AEW and they let him on TV or there was an arrest warrant out for him and he didn't tell anybody and he was working with that hanging over him without anybody knowing. And that obviously puts AEW in a pretty damn tough situation. I personally would be very surprised if they were aware of it. Sean Ross Sapp reported via Fightful Select that those they spoke to in AEW were completely blindsided by the news today. That itself, Eric, if you had a talent who didn't make the company aware of an arrest warrant standing out as they're about to go to the UK for a gigantic 80,000 person show. What a mess that is. Is it not? Yeah, it, it's going to come down to one or two things. Either Tony made a Tony Khan made a very, very bad mistake by being aware of the situation and moving forward anyway, which I kind of doubt or, Mr. Wheeler really fucked up and then it's on him and in either scenario, it's bad news. Um, John, I just, it's shocking to me really. Yeah. You know, especially as something as stupid as a road rage incident, 
You know, you never point a gun or flash a gun or even tell somebody you're carrying a gun or you have a gun in your car in a confrontation like this because that just escalates. It makes situations worse. You know, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a believer in the Second Amendment. I believe that people should be able to defend themselves. But with that comes a fair amount of responsibility. Certainly. And brandishing a weapon unless you're ready to use it because someone else has brandished a weapon or you otherwise feel like your life is in danger is a stupid, stupid, irresponsible thing to do. And I, I can't comprehend it. You know, I, I, I know what road rage feels like. I've, I've been involved in it on both ends and I know how it escalates and, and how stupid it is. I'm not being critical of, of, of necessarily getting into a situation where there's a road rage. It's, and again, and we don't know anything either. We don't know. Right. Again, this is a, this is an allegation and a charge at this point. There's always two sides to a story, but man, if, if you, if you have access to a weapon, the last thing that you should do is use it to intimidate somebody. That is a stupid, stupid mistake. And again, if it's true, let's, right. let's, let's point out, we don't know that it's true. This is a charge and an allegation and it's one side of a story. Yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to hear the rest of it. I'm hoping that there's a, a different explanation or set of circumstances that we're unaware of yet that will mitigate what appears to be a really impulsive, stupid move. I hope for FTR's sake, for Mr. Wheeler's sake, for AEW's sake, that that is the case. Yeah. Again, the way I look at it, because as you said, still a lot of uncertainty about this. The way I look at it is something that is a cold, hard fact is that there was an arrest warrant that's been out since the end of July. And yet he was there working television for several weeks, promoting one of the signature matches on the pay-per-view. So it is undoubtedly one of the two things where AEW was aware and let it happen or AEW had no idea and this was being hidden from them, which I tend to believe, given how precautionary Tony Khan has been in the past with a lot of legal stuff, that that's probably more the case. I mean, you know firsthand that after seeing all the brawl out stuff last year, that was a much less significant legal matter that Tony was extremely by the books about. So I'd be very surprised if this was an incident where the AEW was aware, but who's to say I, it's something we're going to find out. But and, and here, here's the thing, John, and that's, that's the optimistic way of looking at it. And I, I, I hope that that is true. I, I want to be op optimistic, but you have to also recognize that Tony's leadership over the last six months has drawn a lot of questions. Sure. I mean, we're going to talk about CM Punk and keeping people away from each other and sending people home because CM Punk doesn't want them. If any of that's true, we don't know that that's true either. Most of this is coming from Dave Meltzer. I'm not suggesting it is true, but the picture that it paints, the perception that it paints for AEW as a brand and, and its management and leadership, this is just another black mark at a time when, you know, they're going into media negotiations. They're trying to, to establish their Saturday night show. It's just, it's just, it's just, there's just so much ridiculous stuff going on that it's hard to just take any one side. Well, and it's just the worst timing, right? You've got this show coming up here at Wembley stadium. You've got a pay-per-view the week after that. 
where this should be the biggest layup ever for positive PR for your company. You have an opportunity to put 80,000 plus fans and present the biggest show ever. And in this case, as I said, a featured main event caliber match that was going to blow off two and a half years worth of feud. All of it to potentially come crashing down before your eyes there amidst all the other drama going on. It just seems like this has been a microcosm of some of the things that have been going on in that company for the last year plus. And I mean, do you point and, to the and look? I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to beat up on Tony because I've no. been in Tony's shoes. Sure. Not, not not exactly in this situation. Obviously, I've never had anybody involved with a gun incident that was a part of my roster. But certainly enough other things that were questionable. Um, I've been in that spot, and I understand the pressure that Tony is under. So it's I, you know I I really you know I'm I'm critical of AEW when I feel I have cause to be when I'm asked a question by somebody in the media or whether it's on 83 weeks or here, when questions come up, I give an honest opinion. I'm, I'm not, I don't sugarcoat much. You know what I mean? And, and I, at the same time, I don't necessarily take any particular joy in, in pointing certain things out, but it is what it is. And you, you can't look at the last six or 12 months of AEW and, and, walk away from it and go, you know, Tony's doing a great job leading the company. It's a freaking mess. And at some point you've got to get a handle on it. Again, I don't want to go too deep into the CM Punk and Adam Page and Elite and all the fucking childlike juvenile bullshit that we're reading about because a lot of it's coming from Dave Meltzer, who's, who is a cancer on the business. And I'm sure in the beginning when I was critical of Dave, I've been critical of Dave Meltzer since probably 1993, but I, I'm sure like Tony Connor, you know, can't figure out why I've got such a, a, a thing against Dave Meltzer and we're seeing it now. You know, if you look at, if you look at all of the reporting coming out, everything that I see on the different news sites it's all per Dave Meltzer, per Dave Meltzer. Well, where is Dave Meltzer getting his information? Well, a, a lot is of he, the... Is he, is, is he getting it from Tony Khan? Is he getting it from his buddies in AEW who are supposed supposedly ex executive vice presidents and officers of the company? Where exactly is Dave getting all of his stuff? Or is he just making this shit up? I don't know. I don't think so. I think somebody's feeding him things. And that's why I believe... Dave Meltzer is a cancer to this business. And if Tony Khan didn't agree with me previously, I'm sure he's probably leaning into it a little bit now. I mean, to be fair, a lot of these reports, particularly with the CM Punk stuff, have been corroborated by pretty much every major outlet that breaks news. Sean Ross Sapp with Fightful, PW Insider, Pro Wrestling Torch, all of them have corroborated the reporting here. And some have expanded more than others on the situation at hand and it is going to be one of those situations right where you have two sides of the story there are going to be people who claimed well this person was kicked out because of this and then there's gonna say no that's bullshit they weren't kicked out because of this they were removed because of this and this particular reporting started with the ryan nemeth situation where ryan nemeth who was involved in an altercation with cm punk backstage a few months ago reportedly was removed from collision just pa this past week after he was brought to the uh, arena 
And Hangman Page was allegedly brought to the arena as well for pre-tape and then told to leave, which CM Punk side has adamantly denied. We've heard that Matt Hardy and Christopher Daniels were also in the past brought to collision tapings and then asked to leave. And this whole collision show, as we know, Eric, has been pretty much branded as the CM Punk show. So naturally, all signs are going to point in one direction as a result of it. Do you make anything of the he said, she said nature of this? Yeah, I, I do, regardless of who's corroborating it. And, and again, most of the news sites I'm reading are referencing Dave Meltzer. And I, I appreciate the fact that others have corroborated it. Um, but it still remains the, the, the problem, the lack of leadership, the lack of professionalism is manifested by somebody is talking to these outside news sites. This is internal business. This should be dealt with internally. And it's not. There are too many people talking outside of the office. This is, in my opinion, proprietary confidential information that shouldn't be shared with anybody. If you're a talent, if there's not, a, if, if there aren't clauses in those agreements that prohibit and, and, and outline what talent can and can't say about the, the business of AEW's business, then there damn well should be. And if it is in there and it's not being enforced and nobody's head is rolling, now it comes back to leadership. The point is, this is internal AEW business. No different than their legal department, no different than their financial department, no different than any other aspect of business. And to have people that you have under contract or perhaps employees talking to anybody outside of the company about what's going on with personnel and with operations is so fucking inappropriate and damaging. It, it's, I don't know what it is about the professional wrestling business. Maybe it exists everywhere, but I've never seen the temptation or the inclination to self-destruct the way you see it right now. It's the CM Punk situation that we've all known about in the past and the brawls and the executive vice presidents involved in it. I mean, oh my God, it's just mind numbing to me, the lack of professionalism. And again, I'm not going to say it's never happened to me. It did happen to me. I've experienced it, which is why I have a fair amount of empathy for Tony Khan right now. I'm, I'm leaning into defending that man, but, but not without being honest about his part in it. This is a lack of leadership. It's a lack of control. It's a lack of management. It is the, the, literally the, the inmates running the asylum at this point. And the entire company looks like a giant clown car filled with juvenile, unprofessional, self-absorbed children. Not all of them, obviously. I don't, I don't want to cast such a broad net, but... I've never seen anything like this. Could you imagine if Tony Khan would have been able to buy WWE? <laughs> you can't manage a clown car at this point. This I mean, is really, it's, it's so embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for Tony. I, I, I really, truly am. As far as the whole talking to the media about the things going on in the company, that's something that happens across all sports and all entities that are in that nature. I mean, that's how 
contract news comes out in the sports world or if a manager is going to get fired in baseball because he's losing the clubhouse it's because the players are talking to media members about it or their or their or their agents or, or, or their the proxies. agents right and that, but the that's usually when, out. it's you it's usually not the players themselves it's their agents it's their managers it's people associated with them and and that's a game that's played that's you know negotiating in public this is different than that this is different. This is self-destructive behavior. I just we know way too much, or we think we do, based on what's reported. Um, it, it's ugh, ugh, what fucking mess! And all it going into what should be one of the most exciting. I mean, if anything is going to galvanize your team, your roster, your company, your employees, your staff, your people that you have under contract, whatever, if anything's going to galvanize them, it's a moment like they're about to experience in Wembley. My God, yeah. they sold over 80,000 tickets. There is so much to be proud of and grateful for. But rather than being proud of it and grateful for it and coming together despite people's differences and their personal juvenile bullshit, they're tearing each other apart. And they're doing it in such a public fashion that it's hurting the brand. It's hurting the company. And what makes it worse, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, in a little bit, but, you know, last night I found myself defending AEW on social media because everybody's bitching, oh, we don't know what the card is, there hasn't been enough build, blah, 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 blah. typical fucking internet whiny bullshit, right? And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, they sold 80,000 freaking tickets. It's a strategy that's working. You and I talked about it early on before Punk ever, you know, officially made his way back. And, and the subject of Wembley came up because it had previously been announced before Punk came back. And I said, don't announce Punk. Don't announce anybody. Don't build this event around anyone or more people. Build it around the brand. AEW is coming to Wembley. That's what will pay dividends. And guess what? Not that anybody was listening to you or I on this podcast. I'm not suggesting that, but that's what they did. And it worked. And I, I, I guess I do want to segue into this because I'm done talking about the yeah. dirt cheap trivia, general fucking unprofessional nonsense. It seems to be the core of what makes AEW today. But, I, and I was thinking about this this morning, knowing we were going to do the show and, and reacting to some of the things that I was reacting to last night on social media. When I launch, it's not about me, but I have to give examples. I'm going to go farther back. Give context, baby. That's what we love here. Vern Gagne, when I worked for Vern Gagne, I came in. I didn't know anything about the professional wrestling business other than I was a fan of it. I enjoyed watching it. I never thought twice about how it all worked and the business of it. I just liked watching it. And I got this incredible opportunity to work under Vern Gagne and learn so much of what Vern had learned in the decades previous to that. Up until the time Vern Gagne literally had to move out of his office because he had to shut his company down. He kept that company afloat for four or five years out of his own fortune. He was losing money every year, but he stuck with it because he believed he could turn things around. And more importantly, he believed that Vince McMahon would fail. He didn't think that the way Vince McMahon was operating, again, going nationwide, spending all of the money in production, putting those big names out on television, 
He thought that the audience would tire of it and that they would go back to the way professional wrestling used to be during Vern's heyday. Vern wasn't alone. Jerry Jarrett thought that until he, until he couldn't afford to stay in business any longer. Bill Watts brought that psychology or that belief and way of doing business to WCW until he failed. And things change. And when things change, you have to do things differently. Vince McMahon sure did. And look where we are today with his $9.3 billion company that's got an international footprint. He changed the, para the, the paradigm. Vince McMahon changed the way the business had traditionally functioned and operated. I did WCW, when I was hired there as an announcer, was trying to do things the way Vince McMahon was doing them, and they failed miserably. They needed to do something different. I was the catalyst for that, going live. You don't remember this. I doubt you remember this. You, I wouldn't expect you to. But when I was putting on main event quality paper, uh, television, when I was bringing our big names and having our big stars on, on weekly television instead of saving it for pay-per-view, all the peripheral dirt sheet media, oh, my God, this is horrible. It's gonna, this is never going to work. Oh, my God, the business is going to collapse. It didn't, did it? It grew because we did things differently. And as Nitro evolved, and I learned because I was learning on the job, and I learned that rather than promoting your match, here's what's happening next week, folks, this match and this match and this match, most of it didn't really mean anything. It was just, yeah, we're promoting the show. I remember Jim Ross used to sit down when I first started working, and I worked for Jim Ross. I worked underneath Jim. He was my boss when I first got there. And Jim would show me, he would sit down and say, look, this is how I prep when I do my play-by-play. -play. And he was just so fastidious. He was like OCD. He knew in every segment, whether he was promoting the WCW magazine, whether he was promoting the pay-per-view that was coming up, whether he was promoting a house show schedule or a matches announced for a live event somewhere that wasn't televised. He had a list of about 20 things that he would promote in each episode. And I thought, man, that is impressive. And it, it was, but it didn't work anymore. I changed the way we produced television and I didn't want to promote what we were going to do next week. I wanted people to tune in to have to find out. That's called no CDV. As opposed to promoting what you're going to do next week and giving the audience an opportunity to go, yeah, that's not that interesting. I'll catch it next time. I would make sure that we produced that show in such a way and there were things that were going on in that show that you wanted to see the resolution of, but we didn't promote that resolution or the, or, or the, the fact that there may be a resolution. We didn't promote that. Tune in next week. We're going to find out which is, what's going to happen based on what we didn't do that. We let it hang and you had to tune in to find out. That was a pretty radical change in the business of the wrestling business. Nobody had ever done that before. It was the exact opposite of the way everybody else did it for decades. And it worked. And the reason I'm saying all this and giving this context is, and the reason that I'm defending the fact that they didn't promote the show, they didn't promote matches, is because it's the brand that sold 80,000 tickets. It's not CM Punk. It's not Chris Jericho. It's not 
It's not any of the former WWE talent. People are buying tickets hoping to see them, but it's the AEW brand that sold those tickets. 80,000 of them, by the way, or more. And I think that is an amazing accomplishment. And I think, yes, it's different. I understand that the audience is used to seeing more build. I get that. But the audience isn't used to seeing 80,000 people in an arena. And what I would love for people to do is just wait and see. Wait and see how this event comes off before you decide it was done improperly. Right. And I know that sounds weird because anybody that's listened to me knows I'm, I am not shy about being critical of things that I believe are true. Um, based on experience, not my, not my gut feeling, not my instinct, my experience, the good experiences and the bad, it gives me a unique perspective. And I'm really hoping that the audience will shut the fuck up and enjoy the show. And if, if there's a reason to be critical of that show afterwards, if it comes off like a glorified house show, I'm going to be right there picking it apart. But why pick it apart before it even happens? Or pick it apart because Tony is doing something that is different than, which I believe in, different than the way it used to be done. If, if AEW goes out and produces a show, that event, and you engage, I've said it a couple times in the last few weeks, AEW has an opportunity to have 80,000 stars of that show on television. The stars are going to be the audience. That audience is going to determine how successful that show is or isn't. Not me spewing my bullshit. Certainly not the internet wrestling community who feeds off of that bullshit. It'll be the 80,000 people that bought a ticket and their reaction to that show that will determine whether that shows a success. And we're not going to know until it's over, but this certainly doesn't help. This certainly doesn't help. You know, and I, I made a comment on my social media post last night. I said, wait a minute, there's 80,000 people sitting around with tickets in their back pocket waiting for this event. Are any of those people bitching? Well, some of them responded to me <laughs> and they were disappointed. You know, they, yeah. they were still excited about the show, but they were disappointed that there's not more of a build. Let me point out something else. Context. On average, 50,000 people watch AEW in the UK every week. They've sold 80,000 tickets for an audience of 50,000. Television isn't driving this. Stories are not driving this. Those 80,000 tickets weren't sold because they're absolutely engaged in the AEW storytelling, which, by the way, I think is almost non-existent, unless you want to really, really, really look at some of the things that are going on there and, and, and suggest that it's actually a story. It isn't in my book in terms of structure, discipline, and all the other things I've talked about too much already. People are buying a ticket to that event because it's AEW, it's brand new, it's an alternative, and they want to see for themselves what it is. That's the reason they're buying tickets, not because of any story, any angle. Yes, in aggregate, the talent that's on the card, that's obviously important, but they're buying the ticket primarily because they want to be a part of something really big. And if that if Tony is able to, AEW as a whole, is able to, to knock it out of the park, 
I, they have an opportunity to take a giant leap forward. Eric, I am so excited to take a pause here and talk about our newest friend of the show, a business I've been supporting for a very long time, and that is Hello Fresh. We are in the dog days of summer. I am out wheeling and dealing on the grill every single day, and I am using fresh ingredients from Hello Fresh. With Hello Fresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit. And even though we are in those final days of summer, it's okay to understand that fall is right around the corner. And Hello Fresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered right to your door. Simply choose your recipes pick your delivery date, then just lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing that dinner is going to be covered for you. This fall, you got places to be. I know. I get it. And standing in the checkout line is not one of them. The kids are going back to school. You got sporting events. You got all those extracurricular activities. Going to the grocery store is not easy. So leave the meal planning and grocery shopping to HelloFresh with pre-portioned ingredients and easy step-by-step recipes delivered right to your door. You're going to save so much time and you can cut out all of the hassle. I'm the type of guy where I am wheeling, dealing podcasts all day long. That's what happens with the freelance life. So I don't necessarily get an opportunity to go to the grocery store, but I love cooking. And I know Eric loves cooking as well. So you want to make sure that you are putting the best high quality ingredients in your body while still exercising the creative freedom of cooking. And that is exactly what HelloFresh allows me to do. And it's so simple too. It's right at your door. The instructions are there. I usually like to eyeball when I'm making recipes, but when I have HelloFresh right in front of me, I don't need to. It tells me exactly how to do with pictures and everything. I'm not necessarily the smartest guy when it comes to reading comprehension sometimes. So I have to make sure that I get those visual aids and HelloFresh helps as well. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50WrestleBiz and use code 50WrestleBiz for 50% off plus free shipping. That's 50-W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z and use code 50-W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z at HelloFresh.com slash 50WrestleBiz for 50% off plus free shipping. America's number one meal kit is HelloFresh, and we thank them for sponsoring Strictly Business. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
they also have an opportunity to shit the bed in an amazing way with 80,000 people. So it's, I understand the pressure. I, I think you're right, though, entirely. And that's something that we've said in the past on the podcast, where this is almost like a first impression for AEW. They get another chance at a first impression with a show like this because they've never done anything like this. They're in an entirely different territory than they're used to running. It is an opportunity to attract a whole brand new set of eyes internationally to the product. And I think that's why fans have had such high expectations for this card and what they're going to see. Like, as far as I see it, Eric, if there was ever a time for Tony Khan to go and do the biggest dream matches of his life and everything he's wanted to, this Wembley card at All In is probably the time to do that. I think that people know whether or not they're going to buy this show. I don't think they're going to look at this card three weeks out and be like, eh, not really feeling it. They're going to know if they want to tune in and purchase a show that has 80,000 people in the stands for it with a ruckus crowd. And I'm, I'm in your boat entirely on that because truthfully, they don't really need to have that card put out until the day of the event. And if there are any last minute buyers, they'll decide then, is this card good enough for me? But I think the whole idea of the event is what is selling it. The whole idea that there will be this new crowd that is seeing this product for the first time and that there are going to be some big matches on it, that sells itself alone. I do think some people were a little critical this week, discourse-wise, at the lack of singles matches on the card. Because as of now, I believe there were only two singles matches announced for the entire card. That's, which... that, that's, that's, bad. that's bad booking. I'm sorry. That that is, I understand that, because that means there's an, it's there's no personal stories that's going to take place. The psychology that will take. And I sound like I'm contradicting myself, right? But when you've got singles and doubles and trios and five man, six man tags and all that bullshit, it's really hard to have a dramatic storytelling match with that many people. Sure. When, when you've got a good guy and a bad guy and you can tell that good guy, bad guy story in a way, you, know, you play it out in the ring in a way that the audience can invest in it, that's your best opportunity to create emotion. What you're doing with tags and six mans and battle royals and all that bullshit is you're creating a spectacle. A spectacle doesn't create emotion. It, it, it gets interest, but it doesn't create emotion. No. So that, that could be fire. Yeah, and th again, they lucked out that their hottest singles match is their main event with MJF and Adam Cole. And that has been one of the best stories they've told on AWTV in a long while. But again, as we talked about last week, they're also throwing them on the pre-show. So, <laughs> we'll, so we'll see. That's like Mick Jagger coming out and warming up solo for the Rolling Stones. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Rolling Stones are going to be in concert and Mick Jagger is going to open up for him. What the fuck? Yeah. I talked to some people at AEW this week, and they were equally as confused by that happening. But it's, 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 and again, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it'll be this resounding success, and maybe there's something in the plans yeah. that will make me go, "Damn, I should have saw that coming. Yeah. That was excellent." But I'm also going to say I'm going to balance that. Yeah. I haven't seen anything yet out of AEW that would suggest that's a possibility. I, I think they're going to hit a story beat with it, and that's great and all. I really do think like having story beats is so important but it feels like that's something that you could just easily put on a dynamite or something that's like what that. television but, is for right for right, right, wow. right exactly that's what i mean so it, it is interesting but i want to say that little 
sidebar that you just went on, I think that was one of the best things I've ever heard from you on air in any of your podcasts. You gave some great context there, and it was all very measured, and you walked that line really well there. And it, it stemmed a thought from me that I'd love to spend, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about it from you. What is a draw in wrestling in 2023? Like, we used to talk about, oh, well, Hulk Hogan, he's the draw, right? The Rock, he's the draw. Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's, a, he's the draw. That's in an era where the gate was primarily your moneymaker, how many tickets you're selling. The live event was what was earning people money versus now where the landscape has totally changed in how money is made. I, I, I disagree, dude. Pay-per-view was the, was the cash cow. The margins for pay-per-view are, were astronomical. Well, I'm talking about how talent earned money. Like, talent earned money through the live events right like not just not just house shows but tv pay-per-views live events all of that is how talent talent earned money they had downside guarantees when paul white left wcw he went to wwe for a guaranteed million dollars a year for 10 years regardless of what happened at the house shows or on the pay-per-views or his merchandise or anything else um yes the, the the in wwe or early wwf yes house shows drove Live events drove a lot of the paychecks that the talent received, but that changed in the nineties. That that hasn't been that way for a long time. We may be in the final days of summer, but let me tell you something, brother. That's not stopping me from going to the beach like every single day. And now it's time to unleash the beach beast within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in headfirst to your facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer, allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer... Let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place. Visit manscaped.com and use code WrestleBiz for 20% off and free shipping. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z for 20% off and free shipping. It is time to tame your mane, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. First off, this is a cordless trimmer that has a rotary wheel, giving you 20 hair-cutting lengths all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair and sink. Hell, if you want to go to the beach, run on the ocean, you could even use it there as well. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. I use the Beard Hedger every single week, often multiple times a week. When I go to the beach, I feel like my face gets sweaty. So I always make sure I groom right before I go. And the Beard Hedger has got me covered. They're going to have you covered as well. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WrestleBiz at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code WrestleBiz. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Hey guys, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on AtFreeShows.com. Conrad sits down with a pioneer of wrestling television production, director Dan Bynum, who discusses his journey through WCW, ROH, MLW, and where it all began for him, world class. What really was the uh, the thing that, that catapulted it was one, 
working with Ric Flair. He came to the territory and wrestled with the Von Erich boys and gave us so much uh, gravitas. And two, the greatest feud in the history of wrestling, the Freebird Von Erich feud. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were there at the hottest time with the hottest show, and we took over the world. The Yeti, Ron Reese, sits down with Ad Free Shows members to talk about his infamous night at Halloween Havoc and how it was received by the boys in the back. Oh, no, I remember, like, Arn Anderson told me that that was the drizzling shits, and Dusty Rose was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm just like, hey, thanks. <laughs> hey, that's just a small taste of what Ad Free Shows has waiting for you, including a brand-new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today sign up now at adfreeshows.com that's right sign up today at adfreeshows.com so then even so the whole cm punk hangman page drama stemmed from a promo where punk basically said i'm a draw and you're not and it made me think are there actual individual draws in wrestling in 2023 or is it as you were just talking about the brand WWE this week put WrestleMania 40 tickets on sale. And by my accounts, they did record numbers for pre-sales. And if you just look at what's available out there right now, there's barely any tickets left. And they so, haven't announced and they haven't announced the card, have they? We're six months out from them announcing a single match for that card. And and that kind of proves my point. WWE, and I think WWE for a long time, and I never talked to Vince about this when I worked with him. Um, I spent a lot of time talking to Vince. I reported directly to him and we spent more hours than I care to remember just one-on-one -on -one and, and in small groups. And I never talked to him about this, but it's my clear belief, my strong belief that at some point in time, probably around the time that Steve, Steve Austin was frustrated with creative and said, fuck it, I'm going home and walked out. I think either then or Shortly before, shortly thereafter, Vince said, I can't, I can't allow this company to be built around any one star. WWE has to be the star. And yes, the, star, the, the WWE is comprised and is represented by all of these superstars, but it's the brand that people are buying into, not any one person. And again, that's one of the reasons why I am supportive and will continue to be supportive of WW of AEW for not relying on any one piece of talent because I don't, I no longer think that's the way to do business. CM Punk is a draw. I don't like him. I think he's unprofessional. I think he's highly overrated. I don't think he's worth nearly the amount of money or the compromises that Tony Khan is making along the way. And I think that will, Tony will realize that at some point in time. This is the situation, and I said this before. I said this as soon as CM Punk come back, came back. This is making a bad situation worse. You're bringing cancer into your company, and you're not managing it. You're not managing that 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 challenge the way you need to manage it. Rather than putting CM Punk in a box and reminding him that he's talent, he's not management. They gave him the keys to the kingdom, and allegedly gave him the power to decide, oh, <laughs> our talent management executive, Christopher Daniel, I don't like him, so he shouldn't be at the show because my buddy isn't able to come to show. What the fuck is that? If it's true, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. At some point, 
Tony is going to have to learn how to be a leader. He's going to have to take it on the chin, just like I did with Ric Flair. When I decided to sue Ric Flair because we couldn't work our shit out and he was going public with his side of the story. And I was reading about, you know, Ric Flair's issues on the front page of the Atlanta journal constitution. Then it's like, okay, I can't play anymore. I have to do, I have to take a position. And it was a painful one to take. It still is. Ric Flair still resents me to this day for what I did. He hates when I even talk about it, but it, it, I was forced to do something a, I didn't want to do and b something I knew was going to hurt financially because the, Rick had such an amazingly loyal fan base and deservedly so, but it was an ugly situation that escalated. It became public. And it's at a certain point, you've got to go, fuck it. I'm just going to take the hit because if you don't, it just continues to get worse. And the people around, you know, the CM Punk situation are going to continue to escalate because there's no reason not to, there's no, there's no punishment. There's no risk in mouthing off to the dirt sheets and, 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 and pouring your heart out to anybody that'll listen, who will then pour it out to the dirt sheets, whatever the case may be. There are no ramifications. It's literally just the clowns driving the clown car. So then as far as the draw conversation is concerned, how do you look at top stars? Through what lens do you view them? In what way are they contributors to the brand recognition? Massively. That's their responsibility to help build the brand. That's what they're getting paid for. In some cases, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, more than they're actually worth on the open market. But Tony's willing to take that chance and to fund it for, for his whatever his vision is. Uh, their responsibility is to contribute in building brand, even if it means putting up with situations that they really don't like. Fuck, everybody that I know that has a job has to put up with situations every single day and work with people every single day and are assigned to do things. They absolutely detest doing every single day, but that's what you're getting paid for. Everybody, look, I'm not, every talent that is on that card is an important part of that roster. If you see a red light on, on a television camera, you're important. And what makes you important is you're there to help build the brand and move the business forward. Not your own personal agenda. Not so you can work with your buddies and not have to work with people you don't like. I've worked with plenty. of. I don't have to like somebody to work with them. I have to respect them. I have to trust them. That's a different issue. I don't have to like them. I wrote a lot of people that I wouldn't go out and have a beer with if they paid me. <laughs> if I saw them walking down the street and heading in my direction, I'd cross the street just to avoid them because I wouldn't want to make eye contact or have to have conversation with them. We're a lot of people to, like that, but they never knew that. You have to sit across from me every week here and you have to force yourself to stomach that. Oh, <laughs> no, I love you, John. I love you. You're, you're committed <laughs> to your craft. <laughs> And I have had a beer with you. So there I, you have multiple, you were driving and I was drinking, but that's a different <laughs> I was not drinking for the record. Um, no, for the record, you were not. Let's step aside for a second, Eric, to remind the strictly business listeners out there that this episode of strictly business is presented by blue chew. Let's talk about sex. Gentlemen, guys, remember the days and it might've been a while ago. It's okay. If it was, it might've even been just a few weeks ago when you were always ready to go. 
on a moment's notice. No shame. Our bodies change. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed by heading on over to BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or just be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is so simple. Sign up, BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within just days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the United States of America and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. I know it can be awkward sometimes when you have a product delivered to you that is for personal enhancement or improvement, but have no fear when Blue Chew arrives at my door. I don't have to worry about anyone picking up on my business. It's strictly my business here when it comes to Blue Chew. And I know that I'm making a first impression that is going to last a lifetime with Blue Chew. So we want to help you out here on Strictly Business, as does Blue Chew. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WrestleBiz. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code WrestleBiz to receive your first month absolutely free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring Strictly Business. Uh, no, but you, Ed, that's all really interesting that you say that because the wrestling industry for so long was viewed as this really selfish industry where it's like, go out there, make yourself a star make all the money you can. And I still think all of that rings true in a way, but the notion of what you just said, it's like your job to be part of the team and be part of this brand and to enhance the brand. And I think WWE especially really does that very, very well where even in just standard PR events that you see during pay-per-view weekends, the way that these people represent the brand, the way that John Cena was conditioned to represent WWE in the public eye while also promoting himself as a superstar. I think it's just an amazing example of just that and how much brand recognition and enhancement a guy like John Cena was able to create and equity he created for WWE, especially doing the make-a-wishes. That wasn't just John Cena doing those acts of charity. That was WWE doing those acts of charity. No, and and look, you know, Vince McMahon has its, his critics and he's earned every one of them. Okay, I'm, I'm not defending some of the things that Vince has done in his personal life at all. But I will say, and I will say this till the day I'm no longer able to say it, when it comes to leadership, Vince McMahon, whether you like him or not, whether you agree with or can look the other way to some of the things he's you know, allegedly been involved with in his personal life, doesn't fucking matter. He's a leader. And it's that leadership that helped create John Cena and, and, and the rock and people like them. It's leadership and it's a firm hand when a firm hand needs to be available. It's not the inmates running the asylum and that that's what it takes. And Tony, and again, I'm, I'm going to defend Tony now. I'm going to have some empathy. Not defend it, but I will empathize with Tony because I learned on the job. 
I, I was presented situations that I handled very poorly. They were new situations to me. I had never been in a situation like that. And in some cases, I made really bad decisions or choices. And Tony's going through the same thing. I hope that at some point in time, Tony has, first of all, you have to have the capability as a person. You have to be wired in a certain way. We'll find out whether Tony is wired that way or not. But at some point in time, and you've probably seen it in the NFL or in Major League Baseball with coaches and managers and team owners and things like that. At a certain point in time, you got to just draw a line in the sand and say, fuck it, dude. Here's how this is going to work. And if you don't like it, take a walk. Here's the terms of your contract. Here's how your contract's going to work. If you don't like it, I'll cut you loose. Or if you breach that contract, I'll take you to court. But at a certain point, you have to do that when situations like we've been seeing get out of control. And I can't imagine anybody doesn't recognize that what's going on in AEW is out of control. And I don't want it to come off as it's piling on Tony by any stretch, because I really do believe that Tony wants what's best for his employees, his company. And I mean, you talk. That's to not enough. That's no, wanting, and, and, wanting it isn't enough, John. No, it's not. It's not. And I'm not done on that note. I, I was just adding some additional context here. I think from a human being standpoint, like I thought it was a total class move that Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match that they had this past week with Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy was a sponsored thing. It was going to make them $100,000 and they chose to donate that $100,000 to the Maui fire relief rather than pocket it. And I thought that was a really classy move. I think that there are good intentions there. But when even the best boss has good intentions, there have to be situations where you lay down the firm hand and say, no, this is not going to fly or we're going to talk this out and we're going to get through this. Or, hey, these are the ramifications of an incident like this, whatever it may be specifically. I think we all want that structure to be in place because we want to see success for any company. Look, there, there's it's great to have good intentions. It's great to be a classy person. It's great to have a good heart. It's great to be generous. It's great to have empathy and compassion. None of those necessarily mean you're a good leader. Right. And that's what we've been seeing so far. And again, I want to get off this because it's I keep going back to, yeah. to Tony again. And I really don't. I want Tony to be successful. Sure. I want AEW. I want this event in Wembley to be so good that everybody forgets about all this Michigas, forgets about all this stupid shit that's been going on that we're reading about and hearing about and, and, and is damaging the perception of the brand. All you need to do is look at some of the comments that, you know, when I, when I read a story on wrestling, Inc., I, I kind of half ass pay attention to the story, but I go right to the comments because the comments will tell you what the general audience yeah. is feeling about the product. <laughs> and, and, in the beginning of AEW, every comment was supportive and, and looked past the obvious flaws. But AEW is losing the confidence of their audience. They're losing, they're holding on to a, to a certain hardcore aspect of it. And you have to set Wembley aside. It's a unique situation. But domestically here in, domestically here in the United States, where they do 98% of their business, I think that the perception of the brand is becoming damaged because of the lack of that leadership. And I hope that Wembley provides an opportunity to just 
move beyond all this stuff, galvanize the roster, weed out those people that just can't seem to be to get with the team aspect of what they're doing and move forward with those that that do because there's a lot of talent there. You you don't ha- you're not dependent upon CM Punk. You're not dependent on anyone, but not to pick on yeah. CM Punk. But you're not dependent on any one person. And if you are, you're setting yourself up for failure. Well, putting a bow tie on the brand conversation and the draw conversation. I guess my thought here is then what's the point of even going out and trying to sign big names if this is all ultimately about the brand? Like what role do they play? Like Because those big names make well, the brand. Roman well, Reigns so, makes the brand. Well, so like hypothetically speaking here, this has been all over the internet this week. Edge, he's said in an interview, this match against Sheamus as we tape this tonight in WWE, that's his last match on his contract. He's His contract is up after this. And naturally, there's going to be chatter of, well, will Tony try to go and, and grab him since all of Edge's friends are in AW right now? Could it happen? Like, is that truly going to make a tangible enhancement in your brand if he hypothetically went out and got a guy with the name equity of edge or does it not matter at the end of the day i don't know let's did, did it really matter if christian jumped ship did it matter i think if there's Mero a difference ship? between them and i don't mean that with disrespect to christian i i mean i think edge is one of the most popular wwe champions of his era and christian is amazing and well regarded as this incredible worker but Edge is the type of guy that a lot of kids grew up watching and said, wow, that guy was my favorite wrestler. I think the answer to your question is possibly, but if I'm Edge, first of all, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Adam, Adam and I, we've had some great conversations and I think there's, uh, I know I respect him a ton and, you know, he's at a stage in his life where I'm not sure he wants to continue wrestling. You know, I don't think he needs to continue wrestling. He's a great actor by the way he's got chops he's yep. got a reel he's got some credits um and at this stage in his life i would guess more than anything he's ready to either move on or perhaps this is a contract negotiation and we're going to get right up to the to the line and he's going to get an offer and he's either going to take it or leave it i don't see him jumping ship i really don't i could be wrong could, easily could be wrong but even if he does i don't see that making a big difference in in AEW. it historically has not that's that's more what I was trying to pinpoint there. It does it truly matter? I, I think it would generate a lot of chatter, and I think temporarily it would generate a lot of eyes. I think people just become numb to this stuff. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when there's so much going back and forth, I really think the only one that just made such a tremendous difference, truthfully, was Cody making the jump to WWE, just because of all the crazy circumstances that came with that. And we see tangibly, Eric, that it continues to be a major difference maker for WWE. There was this amazing video. I'm going to have to send it to you. Cody was in Philadelphia this week promoting WrestleMania ticket sales. And he's just walking across the street. They're filming him. And this guy walks out of a bank across the street. And he freaks. He's like, oh, my God, that's Cody Rhodes. And he fleeks him like he sees Paul McCartney in the streets like it's 1964. And he's freaking out. And I said, man. This guy is so close to becoming bigger than the business. And I really think that that takes a special type of person at this stage in the game with pro wrestling. And I think he's knocking on that John Cena door. I really do. I don't disagree. He's a class, you know, AEW didn't make Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes made Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes made Cody Rhodes the day he quit WWE 
and stood up for himself and what he believed in. And I'll never forget, I sent him a text, but the day I read it, I was in Los Angeles sitting in a restaurant uh, over on Sunset and the, uh, the uh, 405. Whatever that circular hotel is there, it's changed names. It's a boutique hotel now. But I was up at a restaurant, and I heard it, and I sent Cody a text letting him know that his dad would be proud because he stood up for himself. He took a chance. He went to AEW. He presented himself in the way that he felt comfortable with until he no longer believed in what was going on in AEW. And then he did the same thing again, which his father would have done, by the way. Dusty Rhodes believed in Dusty Rhodes, and Cody is so much like Dusty, it's unbelievable to me. And Cody went to WWE, WWE capitalized on it, saw it. Cody Rhodes made Cody Rhodes, but Cody Rhodes will be associated now with WWE. Or people other than a hardcore wrestling fan, they'll forget that he spent a cup of coffee in, in, in AEW. He's, he's become that big of a star. And, and, and I will also say WWE didn't make Cody Rhodes a star. Cody no. Rhodes made Cody Rhodes no, a star. Absolutely. 100%. WWE, 100%. WWE, the brand benefited from it, was smart enough to take advantage of it, went to an extreme, including Vince McMahon flying himself on a jet down to Cody Rhodes' home, which unless you know Vince McMahon personally, you can't comprehend what a big move that was. Um, Cody made that happen. So he deserves whatever whatever Cody Rhodes sends to in in the stardom of this in, this industry. He's earned it himself. Nobody gave it to him. Certainly so. Certainly so. Uh, there's plenty more to talk about business wise of the business, but I know you got to get running here today. And I, I just want to kind of bring things together here at the end. This is not meant to be a let's be negative about the business of AEW episode or anything like that. I think this was a very fair and straightforward assessment of the current situations at hand as we head into this major event in a week and a half here. I think that then what happens in the next week and a half will be pretty significant for the direction of AEW as a company going forward and how they play this situation with cash and punk and, what type of show they present at All In and then subsequently the week after at All Out, Eric, I think that's going to give us some degree of indication of where the future of this company is headed and how they handle these things. Is there anything else you'd I, like to add on this episode? No, I, I, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm, I am hoping, really, just genuinely, genuinely want this event, and I'm going to watch it. I want this event to successfully wipe out all this stupid stuff let allow people to forget about it embrace the success of the event and let this event become a platform to move forward in a much more positive way agreed that's what i want to see happen and i think it's possible i think it's possible me too all right definitely. buddy definitely folks this has been a great episode of strictly business we want you on board with us here Head on over to AdvertiseWithEric.com. Get your business, get your product in front of thousands and thousands of listeners and viewers every single week on the 83 Weeks feed. Head on over to 83weeks.com and make sure you're subscribed there alongside AdFreeShows.com. He's Eric Bischoff. I'm John Alba. This has been Strictly Business. We'll see you next time. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.